To the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something's Meltzer Five Star Project, the ongoing series in which myself, your Let Me Tell You Something co-host Lorcan Mullen, and your other Let Me Tell You Something co-host Simon Cross, go through every match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. We're at a mere five star match this time, and for the standard that these two have set in the eyes of Meltzer, they're really letting the team down. <laughs> it's basically a house show match we're getting here, Simon. <laughs> A house show match that was taking place not very far from you, but you weren't in the arena when it happened. No. Simon, do you want to explain why that is, where we are, where you were, and what we're talking about? We are talking about, first and foremost, a match at RevPro's 11th anniversary show at the Copper Box Arena between Will Ospreay and Shingo Takagi. I was, I think I was in a pub uh, watching the Brighton West Ham game and then like going out like drinking. I did contemplate going, but it was like 60 quid. Like A lot of the group hadn't made it into London yet for various reasons. It just it just didn't work for us. It, like The timing was off. And just to make clear for some listeners who might be wondering, why were you in London in the first place? Because, you never know, when people are listening back to this, what was about to happen the night after this? Uh, that would be all in at Wembley Stadium. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which uh, both yourself and I attended, albeit in different sections of the arena. Yeah, I think there was about a hundred pounds difference in our ticket prices, but barely any difference in our visual regions, really. Yeah. Ah, well, you win some, you lose some. It's funny we might be at the start of a an annual tradition of All In taking place on August Bank Holiday Sunday, mm. and Rev Pro doing that WrestleMania weekend thing of sticking a show on the day before All In takes place, and maybe putting on matches of an even higher caliber than the ones that All In showed. I mean, they're one and zero basically at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Although Meltzer did give a couple of matches, four and three quarter stars, including Osprey's match against Chris Jericho. The less said about that rating, the better, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and it's not even like I hated that match but it was just where who gets four and three quarter stars out of that Meltzer apparently the man that we've decided to follow his every word of recommendation on but well yes to be fair to him you can't go wrong with Takagi Osprey although I would argue that what was a throwaway joke at the start is in a way the truth this does feel like for Osprey Takagi, how show Osprey Takagi? It almost feels like it's just their name value and the fact that they just sort of know the moves to do with each other that will provide the requisite amount of enjoyment for the fans. Yeah. They know exactly what they have to do to give at least the impression of a great match without necessarily having the construction, the foundations underneath it. Dare I say, the connective tissue. Yeah. There is no great story being told in this match. And also, I was wondering this. One of the things that is so clever about the way that New Japan have always booked their singles matches is that no singles match happens without some sort of purpose. Mm. Even when it's the Young Lions against each other, it's like it's this idea of them training and learning 
And then after they return from their excursions, you're not wrestling more than a, two dozen singles matches in a year, and that's probably a, a lot. There's very few that will have that. I guess it kind of depends on the size of the block that you're in for your round-robin tournaments. So every time Os- Osprey and Takagi have faced off against each other, I believe it's either been a Best of the Super Juniors final, which was the first match they had against each other, a G1 block match, a New Japan Cup match, or either for a title or for the right to challenge for the title. Yeah. Whereas this is just, these are the two biggest names that we can book for this show. All of the other title matches and what have you for RevPro have happened in the undercard. Mm. And as the woman that was doing a little bit of entrance explanation to the camera, it was an interesting way that they presented it. We're just basically saying these guys always have matches on the Meltzer scale. She literally says it. Yeah. Of like the idea that look, Meltzer's just in his own little world of measurements now. His car yeah. goes three goozles to the clutch, and that's the way he likes <laughs> it, or whatever that line was. My car goes uh, three hogshead heads to the yeah. You know what? Yeah, whatever. What I mean. Whatever. It's a good line. Bit too. Good. It will go eighteen hectares on a single tank of kerosene. <laughs> Port it in H. <laughs> <laughs> What country is this car from? It no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> what mindset does Dave Meltzer have? It no longer exists. It no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being very harsh. I like Dave Meltzer. I'm not one of the haters. No, uh, I'm not, but... But I don't see five stars in this match. <laughs> we've said consistently the scale's broken. Th- this is, you're right, this is like the mcdonald's version of this match it's like quick easy it hits all the it hits all the calorie like spots but it, it's not the hearty like meals uh it's not your michelin stars that have been put out in in new japan that i, I think this is like osprey nodding almost to his like indie past because they do that like big indie standoff at the start as well uh with some incredible incredibly athletic stuff like, don't get me wrong yeah that's always been there with osprey takagi that they do that but they do it faster than anyone else can possibly do it is basically their selling point yeah from an athletic standpoint i really did enjoy this match also i will say for one of the Maybe the only time in the history of this podcast, the quality of audio that you're getting from this is better than that you got on the show. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I had to explain production uh, budgets very, very quickly to uh, my partner, who was um, in attendance at my house when I watched this match. Uh, And she's like, what's wrong with it? I'm like, RevPro don't have a lot of money. (laughs) I mean, in previous RevPro matches to get five stars... I think all of them involving Osprey. Mm. I've pointed out in the past my dislike of the commentary. That wasn't an issue. Not because there was no commentary or because there was good commentary. The commentary was so low in the mix, I basically could ignore it. Yeah, it wasn't that. We talked about it with the uh, the Oku match. Sticks out as a sore thumb for just... The commentary team just did not gel for me on that particular match. But they, they were inoffensive this time. But I don't know, like, if that was... that. That's not, like, because they've changed. It's You're right. You just didn't notice them. I think commentary for many indie shows can be very try-hard. It's usually the biggest wrestling nerds in the promotion that can't wrestle. Mm. Oftentimes, as much trying to show off their knowledge. And sometimes falling short. 
yeah. in it. Like uh, Osprey hitting what one of the commentators calls the phenomenal forearm, and then going into a whole thing about AJ Styles used to be in Rev Pro, and this is all about the history of Rev Pro. No, that's been a regular move in Osprey's arsenal for years. He used to call it Pip Pip Cheerio. Yes. I can't remember what he calls it ever since he turned heel. Well, he calls the Cheeky Nando's kick the Cheeky Nando's kick, and he stopped calling it that since he turned heel as well. He's like, give this man a sponsorship. I'm like, well, he's not used that name for it for a while. Yeah, I mean, this match, let's be honest, this is the Osprey show. This is essentially them showing how this man has risen to the point that we're a day away from him being the top native talent at the biggest wrestling show, arguably, of all time at Wembley Stadium that's going to be just down the road from where they are. You know, he's used to wrestling in these 4,000-seat arenas. This was like the peak for him only a few years ago. And now he's going to be in front of 20 times that number of people. To quote Osprey, it's Wembley, bruv. (laughs) And he's not even signed for that promotion, but they know they have to present him as a star. Obviously, because as I've said, they want him. They desperately want him. Yes. And another thing that Osprey has announced is that we're also coming towards the end of him taking bookings in promotions like Rev Pro and, and whatever. He's said from 2024 onwards, he is not going to take any more independent bookings. He's going to reserve himself for whichever promotion it is that he's working for after that, be it New Japan or AEW, maybe even WWE, we don't know. Because all three parties will definitely be interested in him. Bids will be tabled by all three parties. <laughs> yeah, it's just which one fits in what with what Osprey wants to do. Yeah. As I said, so we're getting a greatest hits package in many ways of Osprey, and Takagi's the perfect person for him to work against. Because he can go at Osprey's pace, but he can also be that bullying heavyweight that does the power moves that Osprey has to fight against. Mm. But he's so talented, so agile, so physically gifted that he can be in place and go up and go as fast as is needed for Osprey to do everything and not have to slow down like he did for the next night, which was... It felt like a lot of it was almost like Hogan working against Andre. Obviously, that's not as bad as saying... I'm not saying that's what Jericho is. But Jericho obviously can't do what Takagi can do. And so a lot of it did feel like Jericho basically being in the middle of the ring and Osprey doing cartwheels and jumping all around him. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll say this is... I agree with Mel. So this is a better match than Osprey Jericho was the next night, but not by a quarter star and not because this match was five stars. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're broadly in line. Um, and it was different, completely different styles. Like Jericho, Osprey had like much more of a storyline tilt to it than this did. The, the greatest hits element of it meant that there were really fun spots, but there was also like a, a rush job to it in a way. I mean, it only goes 20 minutes again, because I think Osprey was res- having to reserve a certain amount for the next night. You don't want to do the craziest, high riskiest thing possible when you're gonna wrestle at Wembley Stadium the next night. Yeah. But Osprey taking it easy is like the most you know, it's like ten times more than Jake the Snake Roberts ever did in a single match. As far yes. as physical exertion goes. And that is not criticism of Jake the Snake. It's just a point of how different they were. And obviously they had a post match angle to like do as well. With uh, Jericho attacking Osprey. Like I said, I always love big moves that have a thought behind it. So examples being when Takagi goes, looks like he's going to go for a short clothesline and Osprey instinctively ducks, but Takagi knows he's going to duck and turns it into a DDT. Yeah. I mean, that's a regular spot that Dax Harwood does, but Takagi just moves more fluidly and quicker than Dax Harwood does. And Osprey is such a great guy to bump off of it 
anyway that it looked better than I've ever seen the Dax Harwood version of that. And it's a follow-up to his previous DDT to Osprey on the floor of the arena as well. So it's like, I'm, I'm further exploiting a weak point I've created. But the other shorthand get the crowd popping moments to me felt like they diminished it and, and also went into like the worst kind of cliches of big spot, big move matches. Yeah. Such as dual reverse ranas. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> immediately i say it every time now but i immediately thought of you especially when the second one was done straight away i'm like oh lorcan's not gonna like this (laughs) and they do a sped up finishing sequence essentially where takagi hits his two finishers but then will osprey literally does a pop-up no sell yep and hidden blade straight away Double down straight away into another hidden blade and the Stormbreaker for the three, but it wasn't even the first time he'd hit the Stormbreaker. Yep. The Stormbreaker is really starting to get kicked out of too much now. It's getting like Undertaker hitting his first tombstone at WrestleMania level. Yeah. That's why he's created Storm Driver, right? So he's got somewhere to go afterwards. Is that the Tiger Driver that he did to Omega? Yeah. Yeah. It's now, I think it's now Chris and Storm Driver. Well, I don't want him doing that move in every match, to be honest with you. So. No. No, let's keep that at burning hammer level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, maybe the Stormbreaker needs to be rehabilitated a bit. But that's what moving to a different promotion can do for you, I suppose. Mm. You say that, AEW do to a lot of, like, kickouts where I'm like, didn't need to do that on free television. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't free television, but the FTR Young Bucks matches, maybe Young Bucks match at Wembley maybe had one or two too many kickouts for my liking, but that's just my liking, and that's all we're talking about here. Yes. Do you think if you'd have gone to see this show live, do you think it would have been the best show you saw that weekend? Again, it's hard to gauge because the live experiences are so different, but... I think you will appreciate a great wrestling match more if you're in a more confined space where the sound is bouncing off the roof and you all got... I'm not saying that they weren't... I wasn't happy with the view from where I was sitting for the Wembley show and I was on the top tier. I mean, if you go to Wembley Stadium for a football match, there is literally not a bad seat in the house as far as I can tell from what I was seeing. Well, it was purpose-built for football. Yeah. And having watched football at Wembley from quite far away, yeah. It's deliberately designed so no one misses out. Yeah, but then when there are canopies and pig... Screens. Screens and whatever those things... And you deliberately have a match where you fight in the stands as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's not as designed for this kind of seating arrangement. But it was still a great experience. But, I mean, I'll say it now, of all the things I saw at All In, and I would still say it's the Briscoe Brothers... Shingo Takagi Naruki Doi match at Liverpool for ROH that is still my favourite match I've seen live. There was a match between Luke Jacobs and Ishii on that show as well that also got four and three quarter stars from Dave Meltzer, so maybe that would have been my favourite match of the the weekend if I'd have seen that live as well. I don't know. Despite our complaints about sound issue, being in those sort of venues, I think four thousand people screaming sometimes can sound a lot better than eighty thousand, as weird as it sounds. Well, they can easily get more coordinated. Mm. And that's one thing I'll say about the crowd in this match. They're a lot more in sync than Wembley. And that's just because of raw numbers. It's easier to coordinate 4,000 people than 80. Well, I was gutted at the start of the Aussie Open MJF-Adam Cole match that after they attacked them before the bell, there was a pocket of fans somewhere in the stadium that started singing, same old Aussies, always cheating. But it didn't catch on and like the whole stadium starts singing it. 
I was I, I was one of those, but I guess not. Not wrestling fans and cricket fans don't always overlap. More so than you probably think nowadays, especially the stereotypical image of the cricket fan. If you aren't aware of the Barmy Army, yeah. But there's never going to be a lot of things that a certain number of Englishmen won't use as an excuse to drink a lot and start yelling and singing. <laughs> it's in our DNA. Yeah, yeah. It happened the moment the Angles met the Saxons. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, this was a fun match. It was a minor match in their storied history, and Meltzer would even say that. But like I said, but like by my statements, I would go four star tops for this match, mm. just because everything was pretty much hit right. I think there was a little stumbling block at one point, and Takagi does look like he may be slowing down a little bit, and he may be carrying a bit more weight than he used to do. Well, he's in his 40s now, isn't he? Yeah, but also how this match looks compared to how they matches usually look and sound in New Japan may have also been a factor in it. Like, you don't hear the thud and the slaps and the kicks as perfectly as you do, and the cameras aren't angled as perfectly in the white balance, even. I mean, this had a real 2006 wrestling DVD release feel to it. (laughs) Indie show release. Like, proper Ring of Honor back in the day. As we were saying, we were talking about having the end of this episode. Uh, for that, what wondering what I said, sounded like the post-match mic uh, promo that Osprey was doing over the house mic, which was not plugged into the cameras. Yeah, even he struggled with the house settings because uh, the first bit you could sort of make out was "There we go, <laughs> it works." <laughs> And then, of course, because Zack Sabre Jr. came out to challenge him for Royal Quest, which is also taking place in Cobbox, and that is a match I would expect to get more than five stars from Meltzer, or at least five stars from Meltzer. So we will be here soon enough. Maybe that'll be the next episode, to be honest with you. I don't know for certain when Royal Quest airs, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. October 14th, so quite possibly. Yep, so quite possibly. So let's wrap this up so that we can get listeners ready for us to talk about that match next, depending on our release (laughs) schedule. But if that match isn't what we're talking about next on the Meltzer Five Star Project, what is the next episode we've got lined up in our original recipe, LMTYS, and there's also was arranged in reaction to the events of All In and just what feels like wrestling in general when we talk about the discourse. And one that's within our... Realm of knowledge and understanding, I suppose. What are we talking about next, Simon? <laughs> well, yes. We're talking about being a British fan of wrestling, effectively. Like, what is the British fan experience as a professional wrestling fan, essentially? What is the UK's place in the wrestling world as well? I think we need to figure that out as well. Yes. Is it the smallest of the big countries, or is it the biggest of the small countries? It's the Aston Villa of wrestling... Uh, <laughs> nations, I suppose you could say. Or, 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 and this is a very niche reference to um, a TalkSport clip we looked at, the Newcastle. Well, let's not get into that. <laughs> ah, I'm baiting you, and you know it. <laughs> but anyway, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you for anything to do with RevPro, audio quality, or the calendars of upcoming events, how can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, I am, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of ligaments I'd have immediately torn if I tried to do anything that Will Ospreay did in this match. 
My name's Lorca Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, that are the last two letters, if you flip them around, of arena for the copper box arena. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put that gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. LNTYSpod at gmail.com is our email address, and LNTYSpod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorca Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time, as miserable as that might sound. Until the next time. Capitalist.